Welcome to Curve Altified. On today's podcast, we have the pleasure of having David Rose. Failure is something that you shouldn't be scared of because if you live life scared, you're never going to get anything done. And one thing that I think is really interesting about what you just mentioned is Gust, the platform that you were able to create, which helps connect companies with investors. Building a platform like that must have taken a lot of time and talent to assemble. How did you find the right people to uh, start the company and what importance uh, played in starting Gustle successfully? Well, the, the first person I hired um, was a guy named Ryan Jansen, who had I had first met when he was an entrepreneur pitching us for an investment. And he was pitching us. Uh, my, my first company had been a in the wireless um, uh, communication space with paging software. Uh, and Ryan had pitched us a company about wireless. Um, it was a sort of wireless tagging um, of location, geotagging locations. And, you know, so you could mark a spot on a map. And then if you were with your mobile phone, GPS, pick it up and, and uh, like, you know, like dogs have a fire hydrant, so you could sort of, you know, tie text to a particular location. And we looked at it, New York Angels, thought it was interesting. And they turned to me because I was the wireless guy. And they, they said, what do you think? And I said, mm, you know, great entrepreneur, but I don't really think the business is going to make sense. So we, so, you know, we, we told Ryan that, uh, you know, we weren't going to invest, but, you know, how can I be helpful? He said, thanks. I think this makes sense. He went off to try and do it. He, he started the company. Uh, didn't work out, you know, and about a year or two later, he came back and I got him from saying, hey, you know, uh, well, that you were right, that didn't work. But, you know, you said, uh, is there, you know, something that, uh, you know, how can I be helpful? So you got any ideas of anybody who's hiring? I'm, you know, ready to take a break for a couple of years before I, you know, uh, recharge my batteries and go start something else. And I said, well, you know, now that you mentioned it, I've got this startup that I'm doing over here. And so my my first hire was another entrepreneur, active entrepreneur. Uh, and so he started with me and was our COO for for several years before he then went out and did his his next company, which I invested in. Uh, and that became a company called SetJam, which eventually was acquired by Google and made a lot of people a lot of money. Uh, and then he went out and did another company um, that I thought was probably not a great idea, but certainly invested in it because he invests in certain entrepreneurs. Oh, okay, that did that didn't work, but uh, you know you have failures and you have successes. Um, and he then ended up picking up uh, stakes and deciding that he was going to unbelievably to me, move his entire family to Belize and buy a, an inn on the coast of Belize. And I'm thinking, what the hell is a New York entrepreneur with all this in tech background doing buying a 10 first or 10 room inn in Belize? And I thought this was the most bizarre thing I'd ever seen, but he did it. His wife was on board with it. He took his two kids down there. He bought this inn. Um, and then for those of us who were following along with his story, uh, he every week he would send us a, a would copy us on the letter he was sending to his team about you know rebuilding this whole inn. And it was an, a fascinating entrepreneurial activity. So fast forward, you know, 10 years, it is by far the most successful inn in Belize. He's now got so much. He's brought online marketing and SEO and SEM and stuff. And he's got so, you know so many people run a reserve in his uh, you know ten unit in that he's now providing you know, lead gen to all of the hotels in Belize and stuff. And uh, you know phenomenally successful. So uh, I'm a great believer in entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship. Whether you succeed or fail, it's the doing it that counts. Well, that's pretty important. And another important aspect is to pivot. A lot of companies, especially early on, it's much easier to pivot. Can you talk about a time with Gust early on when you guys had to pivot and find a new direction? 
Sure. I mean, you know, every company has pivoted. I mean, the idea, remember, when you have an idea for a startup, you start it up and, you know, nobody's ever done it before and, and would have done what you're doing. Uh, and you have great ideas about how many people are going to buy it and how you're going to grow. And it never, ever, ever works out that way. I will tell you, you know, I've, I've probably seen, I don't know, what, 10,000, 20,000 pitches in, in, in my life. Uh, and then, then, you know, invested, as I said, in a, well over 100. And if you take a look at all the ones combining New York Angels, everything else, thousands. Uh, and so if you say how many of those companies actually stuck to their plans and, you know, had their numbers re you know, reflect what they were projecting when you invested? And the answer is zero. Zed, zilch, nada, not one, not one company has ever remotely <laughs> hit their targets or had it work out the way they expected it to do. Um, I mean, I, when one of the venture funds I'm an LP in was a, the first investor in Uber. I mean, even though they didn't, it was a completely different, you know, things headed in different ways. But in the case of, of Gust, you know, my, my first assumption was, okay, we started out, the, the original name was AngelSoft, software for angel groups, angel investor groups. And at that point I was running, I had founded New York Angels, one of the world's largest and most active angel groups. And I was running New York Angels. And I realized that we really needed a whole backend platform. Uh, and so I said, okay, well, great. We do this custom build a whole platform for angel investors. And we took it out there and we started using New York Angels and it made our lives much easier and took it out to other groups and said, hey, here's this great thing. You know, we're only going to charge you whatever, you know, 10K a year or something. And, you know, they're investing millions of dollars a year. And we got a big fat, no, thank you, not interested. Um, and so what I, what I was trying to do ultimately was to build a whole ecosystem, a backend infrastructure platform for the early stage financial world. Um, and uh, you know, years ahead of, you know, before you had Carta and Forge and, and AngelList and all those guys, we were out there, we were the first people and I had the vision out there. Uh, and so, you know, we go to these angel groups and they said, no, we don't really need it. We're using email and we don't want to pay. We're too cheap and so on and so forth. So I finally said, okay, I'll give it to you for free. Just take the thing, use this thing, because that way we can build up to the critical mass of users. And so ultimately, um, we ended up with, you know, 750 angel groups and we've had over, well over a million companies uh, come to the platform, create profiles. And so we are, you know, in the process, still in the process 15, 20 years later um, of building the infrastructure for the early stage uh, system. But it was, certainly was not something investors were going to pay for day one. We now have just started charging. This year, January, we're actually charging um, groups for the, for the utility we're bringing them now and they're not, now that they're willing to pay for it. Um, but we had to pivot that. Every other, you know, every firm that I've been involved with has pivoted some way, somehow, um, either a little bit in terms of who their customers are or what their messaging is, or a lot of ways doing a completely separate business. Um, so uh, that's that's part of the course. Pivoting is really important. And if you look at your favorite companies around the world, they all pivot. It's one of the, it's the nature of the game. If you don't pivot, you're going to get eaten up by your competition. I wanted to touch base a little bit and know if any unicorns that you know of were actually found using Gust. Sure. Uh, so an early company in the, in the early days when, uh, so Gus was being used by uh, the NYU business plan competition to handle their applications and judging for the business plan competition. And there was uh, a company that came through from some NYU grads, uh, was called Tote. 
and it was doing a sort of visual e-commerce uh, um, solution. And we thought it was really interesting. They did a very good pitch, very great entrepreneur. Uh, and so we actually gave them the prize. I was one of the judges for the NYU business comp plan competition at that point. So we saw them on, on Gust. They came in via NYU. Um, they won the competition. We told them, hey, it's really interesting. Why don't you come to New York Angels? It might be a kind of company we'd invest in New York Angels. So well, New York Angels was also using Gust. So they slid their application from uh, NYU to New York Angels. Uh, New York Angels looked at it um, and we actually invested as a group in it. Uh, I was going to invest personally, but I got involved with other things and was on top of my radar. So I actually missed the cutoff date to invest in it. But I said, OK. But friends of mine like um, uh, Brian Cohn, who succeeded me as the uh, chairman of New York Angels and um, uh, a bunch of others uh, invested. Uh, the company then, you know, was was doing this e-commerce thing where you could find things online and and post things you were you found interesting, um, and you know, you guess what? It didn't really work. The e-commerce thing wasn't as successful, so they pivoted. As you pointed out, everybody you know pivots um, because they were actually getting, getting a lot of traction on this posting of things that you found online and sort of pinning it onto your uh, you know, a bulletin board. And so they they pivoted, got dropped the e-commerce stuff, rebranded themselves as Pinterest. And the next thing is history. So uh, New York Angels, you know, was the first investor in Pinterest, which went on, of course, to become a multi-unicorn. Um, we've had other unicorns going through Gust uh, from Pioneer and uh, all kinds of interesting things, as well as other other deals that went on to big big M&A deals. Comixology, that I was actually chairman of the board of and first investor, uh, was acquired by Amazon, became their comics division. Um, Jump Bikes, which I was also chairman of the board of, uh, went through uh, Gust and was ultimately acquired um, by Uber, became the basis for Uber bikes. Um, so yeah, we've had a bunch of really interesting companies come through. We've had well over a million companies on the platform since we started. It's quite amazing. And since 2003, New York Angels has invested over $120 million into more than 290 early stage companies, mainly in the New York region. Did you ever think that New York Angels was going to get so big? Again, like not an imposter syndrome. No, if I had to project, I wouldn't have projected quite that amount of money. But am I surprised? No. I, you know, I assumed that this was, you know, I knew we had a great group of investors. I mean, investors in New York Angels included everybody from Alan Patrikoff and Esther Dyson and Howard Morgan and Josh Koppelman. Howard and Josh, of course, went on to form um, First Round Capital. Uh, so we had a lot of great investors who were doing really interesting things. And I figured if we could make it a little more efficient and organized, uh, then that would be a um, a good thing and we do well and we did i wanted to ask you did you ever have a deal that was on your table that you passed up on that now you like regret on passing on it oh sure i mean everybody has it's called your anti-portfolio um, and so people like Sequoia, I think, and others have, have put them online and you can see the ones they, they passed on multiple times. Um, in our case, there was a, a really interesting company that I saw a demo at a conference um, out in California. Uh, I think it was the demo conference and demo PC forum, maybe demo. And they were showing how you could, this is back before you had all this online set top boxes, streaming stuff and so on. They showed how you could put this little box next to your cable box at home and it would automatically let you control your cable box and rebroadcast your stuff over the line to your phone. So on your phone, you could watch anything you had access to on your cable system back at home. And I thought this was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And the entrepreneur was really 
it was two brothers and they were really um, enthusiastic. And I thought it was really great. So uh, I actually had a couple of my New York mem angel members there um, at the conference. And so I think Howard Morgan and Esther Dyson and I, um, I grabbed this guy and came off stage and said, hey, we got it. We got to talk. We'd love to invest in the company. Uh, and he said, uh, oh, sure. OK, but, you know, love to do it. So they came to New York and he showed off this, this little box um, and to New York. And we demonstrated it in the Starbucks downstairs and we loved it. And we, and we gave him an offer. Um, and we had enough interest around the table to put in an offer of like, uh, God, I think two million or so, which is big, big round for us at probably an eight million, you know, pre-money valuation. Um, it's an extended term sheet. And then the next day he calls and says, guys, I'd love to work with you and I'd love to have you as investors, but you know, we just got a, a term sheet, you know, for, you know, like a, like a, a you know, five, five or 10 million round at a $20 million valuation from, you know, Dixon Dahl of, of DCM. And, and, you know, could you guys come and join him in, in this, this thing? And, you know, we're a little early stage angels. So we said, Oh, we can't, that's a $20 million valuation. We can't, we can't, you know, do that. I mean, that's just, you know, God, you have to take it, but I mean, it's way out of our league. So no, we can't do that. Um, of course that turned out to be Slingbox and Sling Media with, um, Lake and Jason Krikorian, uh, and uh, invested, and they went on, of course, to become a unicorn and a mega player and you know, a big thing. Uh, and they had begged and pleaded for us to invest, and we wanted to invest, but we just couldn't get our heads around the fact that this was actually a Series A deal instead of a, uh, a pure angel deal. And there have been quite a few companies like that. That's one of the parts of the industry where you can't really be upset about that because for every single deal that slips, it's one that fails that also slipped through your hands. So yeah, you never you, again the goal in life. If you if you are full of regret, you cannot be an angel investor. You'll be regretting deals you didn't do, deals you did do, you know, de deals you did do that ended up not make. I mean, just you know, you, you can't do that. You have to to be an angel investor. You have to love entrepreneurs, to love startups, have a high risk tolerance, be aware that most angel investments fail, and that it's a very very long term thing. The average holding period for an angel investment in the U.S. is between you know nine and ten years. Um, it's highly illiquid during that time frame. So you really have to, you know, want to do this. Everyone sees the beauty of being an angel investor, especially when things are going well. You just mentioned one of the risks of being an angel investor. Can you talk about another risk that isn't talked about that often? No, I mean, I mean, obviously the, the the biggest risks are, you know, one, losing your money and a majority of angel investments fail, a majority. I mean, so at the, this, in case you're curious about the metrics, for every 10 deals you do, five of them literally fail completely, go bankrupt, take all your money with it. There's no return. Um, so you have to make all your money out of the other five. But of the other five, you know, two of them on average at the end of, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten years, you'll just get your money back, the same money you put in because it was an aqua hire or somebody bought the, the customer list or something else, which means you're making a profit on only three of them <laughs> out of the ten. And of those three that you're making a profit on, two of them are going to be doubles or triples, right? You'll make two or three times your money, which is great if you get that across your whole portfolio, but you can't. So that means you're you know, only two or you know two of them you're getting say 3x your money right and so going back to what we learned in business school about the, about the time value of money if you run the time value of money across how long it's taking you to hold those investments before you get a return you know six seven eight years or, or more by the time you, you take care of those two winners in your portfolio you've now just broken even so at the end of, so let's say at the end of six years, which is the way you have to try and calculate, because if you calculate what it really is, which is nine years, you'd never make any money and you'd never do it. But let's say you're doing it a six-year calculation or a six-year IRR. Um, at that point, you've got nine out of your 10 companies are finished. 
and you are right back to where you started from, accounting for the time value of money, which means that the entire return on your portfolio has to come from that last one company. And if you figure that you got to get, you know, you know, three to four X, um, you know, on your portfolio to make the returns make sense, 25 to 30% IRR, which is what you're looking for. Um, that means that that three to four, you know, X return from your portfolio, you're down, down to one company, which means that that one company has to return 30 times, three zero times your your uh, initial investment in that company. Um, and so, you know, that's your unicorn and that's how the economics works. So, there, so the, the, the biggest thing is you lose your money. That's the biggest risk. But the other risk that people often underestimate uh, as an angel is just how illiquid it is because angel investing is illiquid. That means you can't, you know, once you put your money in, it doesn't matter how much you regret it or how much you need the money for your kid's college fund or whatever, you can't get out. There is no way. There is no money. There's nobody who will take you out. So that money is stuck in there for typically a 10-year holding period, like a roach motel. Money comes in, but it doesn't come out. So that's the sort of the, the other biggest risk that people misunderstand. And I'm sure you talk about some more struggles where it comes with angel investing, as well as guides through your book, Angel Investing, the guide uh, the Gus Guide to Making Money and Having Fun Investing in Startups. Can you talk a little bit about what made you want to write a book and the ultimate impact of it? Well, sure. As I said at the at the, the top of the hour, you know, you get involved, you get engaged, you put your name out there. You know, it's not networking to try and find rich people to 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 network with. It's it's being involved as part of your community. So one of the things that I do, part of my giving back, my my olam, is teaching. I do a lot of teaching and in, in, in classes and and there's a website that was came out about oh, 12 years ago or so called Quora, Q-U-O-R-A, which you may have heard of. It's now one of the top 50 websites in the whole world with 400 million monthly uniques, but it's a question and answer site where anybody can ask questions and anybody can answer questions. And so uh, since I love, you know, uh, you know, asking an occasional question, but even more, I love answering questions because I think I know everything. Um, you know, people were asking questions about angel investing. So I said, oh, I know the answer to that. So I started answering. So, you know, now fast forward 12 years, I've answered close to 12,000 questions on Quora, um, many of them having to do with angel investing in startups and entrepreneurship. Um, and so the uh, major book publisher, Wiley, one of the biggest you know, business book publishers in the US, decided about, oh God, eight, eight seven, eight years ago, that the world was ready for the first time for a book on angel investing. There had never been a book on angel investing and it was becoming a bigger thing. And they looked around to see who had the biggest mouth on the subject and they found some of my answers and said, hey, um, you seem to know a lot of stuff. Can you, could you write a book um, about this? And I said, you know, sure, why not? <laughs> I've written all these answers. Um, so uh, we did a deal. I got an agent, we did a contract and I, I basically you know, wrote the outline for uh, for the book as to what I thought an angel should know. And then I took all my, my Quora answers and threw them <laughs> up against the outline and then rewrote the whole thing. And that's how I ended up with a book, which has turned out to become a New York Times bestseller and is a standard textbook on how to be an angel investor. And then that spawned uh, a second book because it turned out that um, my publishers came back and said, you know what? There are not enough angel investors in the world to make a book a New York Times bestseller. So we went back to see who was actually buying this book. And it turns out it's being bought by startup founders. And so can you write a book for startup founders, cutting out the middleman since they're going to read this book uh, about how to actually get funded and how to actually start a high growth company? 
And I said, well, wait a minute, there've got to be a bazillion books about how to start a company. And they said, yeah, but not the kind we're thinking about. And so what they were, you know, the, the point they made was that there are lots of books, either high concept books, you know, Peter Thiel and, and uh, um, you know, Eric Reese and Lean Startup Methodology and so on. So we all friends of mine, all great books about the big picture stuff. And then there were some, you know, hands off things. How do you find an accountant for your local restaurant that you're starting up? But it turned out there was actually no single book about how do you do a high growth you know, venture fundable company. Um, of all the 92,000 entrepreneurship books on Amazon, there was not one single how-to book about how to do a high growth startup. So I said, okay. So I did the same thing. I wrote the outline, took all my four answers, threw it against it, rewrote the book and came out with the second book um, called The Startup Checklist, 25 Steps to a Scalable High Growth Business. Uh, and that too became a New York Times bestseller. And that's now been adopted by over 500 universities in the US as their standard textbook for their entrepreneurship programs. So that's gratifying as well. Wow. It's kind of interesting to hear the progression of your career starting off in government and then figuring out that you want to bet on yourself, become an entrepreneur and then be recognized and write a book. It's quite amazing. And I'm sure you've gotten a lot of advice and given a lot of advice throughout your years. If everything you were ever taught was erased, what is one piece of advice that you could leave? Probably. Don't take it personally. Um, you know, entrepreneurs are very full of themselves. It's all about us. It's you know very solipsistic. And we're the you know after Mother Deluge, we are the ones who were make the world, and that's true. And so you know, as bad things happened in my early entrepreneurial career, people didn't fund me. They walked away from contracts. They were you know I, I couldn't get a venture financing or whatever it is. Um, you know, my initial assumption was all a personal attack on me. How can they be so stupid that they don't see how brilliant this idea is? Why do they hate me? Is it because I have red hair or um? I'm, you know, a New Yorker, or I talk too fast or, you know, whatever. Um, and so, you know, and, and to this day, a lot of founders think it's all about who you know, and it's all about, you know, do they like you? And, you know, how do you, and, and it's not. It, being on the other side of the table, you realize that so much of this stuff is actually all about the, the, the mechanics of business and, and does, the, does a deal make sense? And so it's so so if you look at things objectively, try and put yourselves in the position of uh, an angel investor of a, of a venture. Sorry for the noise here. Try and put yourself in the position of an angel or a VC uh, and think about as, as objectively as you can. And that's why reading my book about you know angel investing may be good for founders as well, because it lets you know how they think. And once you realize that, you realize that angels look at 40 deals before they find one to invest in. And the fact that they're turning down 39 does not mean they hate you. It just means that for whatever reason, those aren't a right match for them. And it's an objective consider, you know, scenario as opposed to um, a, a personal thing. So don't make it personal. Personal, try and be calm, be as objective as you can. Um, and it may not work out, but at least you will have the sense of self and you will have a better shot at doing it than if you get all shrecky about it. Wow. Thank you, David, so much for coming on to today's podcast. We'll link both of the books at the show notes, as well as the link to your Quora. It's quite amazing some of the questions that you've been answering. And I think it's quite interesting that they've started to change directly towards you because they've realized that you're the guy when it comes to answering the questions. Thank you so much for taking the time. And if you have something you want to share with the audience, now is your chance. Thank you so much again for coming on. 
It's my pleasure. Great questions. Delighted to do this. Um, uh, if anybody is interested, another thing you should put a link to in the in the show notes is a pay a resource page I've created for founders. It's um, David S Rose D A V I D S R O S E David S Rose dot zealous Z E A L O U S dot space S P A C E. That's a, a sort of one page resource um, collection I put together, including a bunch of uh, reading lists uh, I've called from Amazon. Great books for founders, um, tools that we developed at Gust for founders, more about my background, my YouTube. I, I did a TED talk on how to pitch a VC, which has had about a million and a half views at this point and is sort of the standard in, in VC pitching. Um, so there are some really great tools and links there and your audience might find that useful. <laughs>